0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, welcome to the Nat Coombs Show, Edge Rush. I'm Nat Coombs. He's Prop O, aka the Under's King of Plumpton, (laughs) aka producer Ali. But a little bit of a slide right now. Am I right? Am I right?
1: Yeah, I mean, the one thing I was going to say coming into this is what we've learned um, throughout this series is that I tend to be a really good winner. (laughs) Um, You tend to be a really good loser. Unfair. You tend to be a really good... No, no, I think you're really good at in terms of like, I think you handle losing really well. Oh, okay. Thanks, man. (laughs) Yeah, I think you handle losing really well, but I think you're a terrible winner. I think you know, yeah, like this one of the worst I've come across. Like amount kind of times, the fact that what was it last show you were talking mm. about a a take that you made three or four years ago about the amara mm. Cooper trade? Yes, sure. um, yeah, <laughs> And the fact that the Patriots thing comes up pretty much week in week out.
0: Do you know how what I compare it to? It's a little bit like the uh, uh, a political campaign, a presidential campaign, where one side. Uh, my side, the, the right side, <laughs> says we're not going to get drawn in to skullduggery and dark ads and attack ads. We want a campaign that is played on the right terms, in the right spirit. Uh, and then the opposite opposition agrees that initially and then breaks those rules And so you're sitting there thinking, right, well, if that's how it's going to be, that's how it is. Don't try to paint me as some kind of (laughs) gloating winner when the only reason I'm hitting those notes is because you... I love to rub my nose in it
1: when I've lost. So well, so no, I think that I'm a good winner. So I think that right. So on that narrative, mm. it only makes sense that I'm a really bad loser. Fair. So I'm just going to list off a couple of reasons as to why I don't think you can say I'm on the slide. First okay. of all, I, I had no idea Matt Stafford was going to be banged up, did I? I thought Fair. that coming off for bye week, he was definitely going to be fit. Yep. Second of week, the fact that you're celebrating a... Drew Lock of the week win, which was completely reliant on Lennon Fournette scoring a touchdown in a situation that he shouldn't have scored a touchdown in. And it- take it, take it, anyway. it comes.
0: Hey, <laughs> off Lenny becomes a regular season Lenny.
1: That is one of the worst back-to-back covers I've seen. If you took the Colts plus three and a half in a long time, <laughs> I reckon that I must was, be shocking. Was it's fun to be on the outside of it. it. I was yeah. jammy
0: jamster. I was on the right side of that. The Accra that we came in as well, with Delighted to say. Which so I take full
1: responsibility for.
0: Ridiculous. I mean, ridiculous. <laughs> because, because my initial version would have come in anyway, right? So with, yeah, nonetheless.
1: You're not. You don't understand the gambling gods. Then, if you think that initial uh, version would have come in, you picking uh, the Bengals would right. have had some weird butterfly effect, which would have led to Cincinnati <laughs> Bengals actually probably losing true. that forty-one ten. Yeah,
0: this is probably entirely fair. It works. Uh, so we had a we had a mixed week. How did your prop bets go? Um, uh,
1: again, not very good. I had a bad week. I had a bad okay, week. Right, we'll move on. It we'll wasn't. It on. wasn't. It wasn't my best. But again, I have to blame on the fact that Leonard Fournette decided to score all of the Bucks touchdowns yeah. instead of. Ready getting any of
0: them unreasonable you'll be back in the game i'm sure of it because you've had a cracking season and uh, collectively we're doing all right so let's try and keep that that momentum going into into this week we're looking at the slate and looking at the drew lock uh, and the Acker. Yeah, i feel i like i like this week lo- much more than last week and I'm, you're <laughs> going to tell me it's because i had a good week and that's why uh, nothing's in my head but i do i like i like this week a bit more but you might uh m- force me to different my thinking by the end of the show we shall see
1: um the sharps are going ugly i won't lie Mm -hmm. the sharps it's got it looks like an ugly week from a sharp perspective all the professional bettors are going on the the bets that you really don't want to make Oh god, dangerous territory just yeah, yeah like yeah it just it sounds it sounds it sounds ugly. It sounds ugly. I,
0: I even I am tempted to steer away from some of the stuff that the professional gamblers are going on. Look at that. Oh, undoubtedly, all the picks that I'm really confident about are going to be uh <laughs> fill the shops, uh heads with horror when they see how, how blatantly public uh, public leaning it is. But all right, before we get into our games, we've got three, we've got our Drew locks of the week, we got uh, Propos, prop bets, of course, are Acker of the Week. That's all coming. Uh, let's have a quick line or two on, on Thursday Night Football. We're recording this on Friday morning. Uh, Taysom Hill, we asked the question a few weeks ago, why isn't Sean <laughs> Bate playing Taysom Hill at quarterback? I, we probably got our answer. Is that or a fair or a bit harsh? Four interceptions for, for Hill. I mean, he was, as expected, dynamic on the ground and uh, and certainly breathed life into a lackluster Saints offense that way. Uh, but four interceptions...
1: Mm. No bad as well. Some
0: of them were they bad. Were that pick bad. Six he was hurt his bad. hand, though. I mean, he, I think yeah. he was playing banged up. He went in early on, didn't he? To the to the blue tent and came out and it hit to his hand. And afterwards, inevitably, at the presses, he was being asked about that, and he said, "Oh no, I just wanted to play on." And of course, he's good. He's you know in his first start, but the 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 weight and the touch on the balls just looked looked off. Mm-hmm. It, he was just airing them up. So let's give Taysom Hill the benefit of the doubt, and we're not going to write him <laughs> off after one bad performance, but. Nevertheless, hugely disappointing. I think for all of those Saints fans who thought, "Oh, thank God we've got our guy now," Trevor Simeon's been so dull and lackluster and indifferent, and then they see that.
1: Yeah, and I think the one thing you have to take away from it, though, is the f- how like promising his performance on the ground was. Like he was, he is sensational with the yeah. ball in his hands. It's just when he lets it go that he decides to look a little <laughs> bit, a little trouble. bit more frisky. Yeah, yeah, it's not. But as ideal. I Mike,
0: as I Mike told us all on the on the show only recently, you can't. You can't succeed. I mean, I put that question to I Mike, would he rather have a, a dual threat quarterback who isn't uh, necessarily prolific in terms of completion rate uh, and accuracy specifically, or have a, a Kirk Cousins type, uh, slightly unreconstructed older school pocket passer who can't do anything else but that? And Carlson said he'd take the pocket passer uh, every time with yeah. the accuracy every time. And so I think that's going to be the key, whether whether Hill is going to have enough with his arm, not necessarily to be a top 10 quarterback with his arm, but good enough to be accurate and competent and then underpin that with, uh, you know, with the, the ground game. That's the fifth consecutive game. The Saints have lost for the first time since Sean Payton's been head coach.
1: Incredible, incredible. And I think the sad thing for it was, I think one thing you had to give to Taysom Hill as well, he had a really banged up offensive line. He didn't have his two starting tackles. Okay. And you could see the pressure coming from Mike Parsons especially was incredible. So for what he did, I think you have to kind of put a asterisk next to it. And of course, it's his first week coming off a concussion. All of those different kinds of things. I, I think when we said we wanted to see more Taysom Hill, I don't know necessarily wanted to see that much Taysom Hill. I think you wanted to see a bit more when it was kind of Drew Brees, Taysom Hill kind of sharing the load a little bit, Taysom Hill mm. coming in at certain situations. Trevor Simeon undoubtedly, I think, can probably complete passes better than Taysom Hill. But I mm. think there's just moments, especially like in the red zone, where you'd rather have Taysom Hill in there to kind of give the defence an extra thing to think about, which yeah. Trevor Simeon doesn't. The other thing, that I think is interesting from taking from this game is that there is a list of quarterbacks. You would feel like the saints probably would have won this game with, I think from a coaching perspective, Mm. I know Mike McCarthy was out, but I think Sean Payton really did dial up everything he possibly could to give his team the best opportunity to win. If they
0: had James Winston, do you not think they would have won this game? Well, they've had definitely had a, a much a much better chance. It's a really interesting point about what they do next year, whether whether they stick with Jameis or whether they try and delve into into the market. I mean, I guess as as we've touched on a few times on on the show this season, it's the slimmish pickings in the draft. Uh, and by the way, if you haven't checked out our College Days at strand, they go do that because we look at a lot of NFL ready draft prospects that are coming through. In the 2022 draft, then there's some good stuff on quarterbacks uh, amongst other skill positions that Ben Isaacs, our resident college expert, uh, the sage like Ben Isaacs uh, gets into on that. So it's not a great draft class. It's uh, certainly compared to year on year. And the free agency market's interesting. It's boom or bust, right? Mm. As Greg Rosenthal was telling us on the show this week, you've got the Sean, possibly Russell Wilson, unlikely, but maybe Aaron Rodgers, because who the hell knows? what's going on in his head from day to day. And so three elite quarterbacks and then not a huge amount else, right? you got a lot of these, you know, middle of the road, lower third, lower quarter style jobbers, you know, and and I don't mean that patronizing. That's just, that's just that, you know, the way they're they're at in, in the pecking order. So I wonder if the Saints think, well, actually, unless we can get one of those three, we're probably better off with Jameis next year. And what do you think?
1: I think they probably are better off with Jameis next year. And I think the way they saw, I think it was Greg Rosenthal who um tweeted actually yesterday about it's incredible how the Saints team has what beaten like the Bucks, the Packers, and yeah. the Patriots by like a combined hundred and something to three points. And I think when you've got Sean Payton and the level of talent that this team has. Up front, both on the defensive side of the ball with the likes of Cameron Jordan and the other side of the ball. They were missing them last night, but they've got some of the one of the best defensive lines in the game. They've right. also got Alvin Kamara. You would expect that he's not necessarily going to be this banged up next season as well. Mm-hmm. We'd hope that he gets rested and we see more of him next season. I think when you look at that, I think they can win with Jameis Winston. I think they can certainly be a playoff team. And then I think what you can do is look to build in drafts to come where potentially another free agent becomes available. They definitely don't mm. have enough cap space to go after someone like Matt Ryan or Aaron Rodgers, or mm-hmm. um, or maybe Ben Roethlisberger—you never know—they're going to go after at this point. <laughs> ben, <laughs> imagine. Right. But no, I think that's, that's the a thing. hot take. Yeah, exactly. I think Jameis Winston probably is the guy going forward. I think he proved that. I think Sean mm-hmm. Payton, the longer he stays with Sean Payton in this Saints organization, the better Jameis Winston will get, and the more his mistakes will be eradicated. The other thing I was just going to point out from last night. Now, I mean. I know this drum gets banged pretty much week on week, but Michael Parsons is doing sensational things for this Dallas Cowboys team. Mm. And, ESPN Stats and Info posted last night, Michael Parsons is the first player with 70 tackles and 10 sacks through his team's first 12 games since James Harrison in 2010. So that's great company to be with. And he's also on pace for over 100 tackles and 14 sacks this season. The last player to do both was Bruce Smith in 1993. Wow. Wow, it's incredible what Michael Parsons is being able to do. And the other player I think you have to give props to from last night, at what point do we start asking the question whether Tony Pollard should be sort of well, yeah. getting well snaps than Zeke Elliott? Do you know well, what I mean? I
0: think Zeke's definitely. Then they think they made the point in comms as well. But he's not. He's not right. No, I, mean, I know. But Tony it.
1: Pollard is. It's not anything against Zeke. That's not my. That's not my. No, point. no, sure. I, I get it's it. More I, Tony Pollard is just looks like one of the better running backs in this league.
0: They're different styles, which I think actually was was the key to the success of the grand game early on this season. Right. And I, and I like that the, the again, something we talked about on the show this week, I think it might. Yeah. I think it was with Greg, right. Uh, on uh, yesterday's show that the, uh, the Patriots in particular, we had a laugh because they seem to be progressing to having seven or eight different running backs uh on the roster. And each one has a different style of different approach. And yeah. so I, so I do like the tandem element, but yeah, mm. sure. At the moment, because, uh, because, Zeke was running really hard early in the season. He was and you know. possessed. And and you kinda of understand he's that kind of runner anyway, and you understand it, but he you know, four or five games now, he's not been at the races. So I wonder if it's what you're suggesting isn't such a bad shout. The the, the Cowboys are gonna be fine, you'd think, playoff wise, although we're gonna talk about the NFC East playoff race in a minute. Um, but it looks like they've they've locked the division in. So I wonder whether over the next three, four weeks, yeah, spell poll out a lot more, let Zeke fix up if he can uh, and then be be ready to roll for the playoffs. Love that. And of course, DeMarcus Lawrence back for the Cowboys as well, Huge. which uh, big, big, big. They're looking good. Dallas certainly, uh, I think with that win and the comfort blanket it gives them in terms of space in the playoff race. Yeah, dangerous, dangerous, dangerous side. Mm. Right. Let's get into two teams where it's not as clear cut, but both have playoff ambitions still. Las Vegas against the football team this weekend. I wrote about getting an early plug straight in uh, wrote wrote about uh, the MVP race the far from scintillating MVP race uh, and that was kind of part of my point for for Skorka this week I will push that out on our social channels and a name that I omitted because I couldn't put everyone in the the premise of the article I guess was it's like the much of the playoff race super condensed there isn't really a clear cut leader or leaders I know Brady and and Rogers are probably the de facto favourites but it's not Hmm. a cakewalk for either right no Talked about why running backs never win, should they win? Yada yada. I didn't put Derek Carr's name on the list. And I wonder if that is remiss of me. I wonder if Carr could be in the race. I think that um I think that Simmons was was suggesting this on his show. So maybe that's where the seed got planted. But I, I actually I think one of simmons's guests suggested it to him and he dismissed it, saying something like other players take the Mickey out of Derek Carr. But I I wonder if Carr could put a run together and and be in the race.
1: I think they would have to put a, a serious run together going down the stretch of the season. They'd have to make the playoffs and realistically make the playoffs comfortably, I think, mm. for him to be considered for the MVP. Usually it goes to a player who is on one of the more dominant teams during the regular season. Sure. So you have to look at it probably. I mean, I think you'd have to argue that Mac Jones has probably got a better chance than oh um, Derek Carr at this point just because of how strong this Patriots team looks. But that could all change on Monday night. I think mm. that you can't Take away from how sensational that performance was by Derek Carr last week against the Cowboys. Yeah. Especially off the back of quite a bad stretch, losing to the Giants, losing to the Bengals, and never really looking in that game. They turned up in prime time on Thanksgiving following one of the worst Thanksgiving games in the history of Thanksgiving. <laughs> and he, <laughs> yeah. put, he, had, he put on an absolute show, made it competitive and managed to get the win and he completely deserved it. And I think that... Mm.
0: Just on is that, that the numbers are season high in points, 36, and total yards, 509. Ground yards, it was a season high for them on the ground. Uh, first downs as well. And they also, the flip side of that, handled the ground game, the aforementioned ground game of the Cowboys pretty tidily, right? Mm. So it, it is a really interesting state for, for Vegas right now. Looking at um, one of the key matchups here, I think, and I know we, we I think we both love Washington, right? Uh yeah. This, this was interesting. So again, sometimes when numbers can be a bit deceptive. So Washington, as we know, defense banged up with two of the, the, the key front missing for a prolonged period of time. And we thought, well, that's the end of the season for them then when Montez Sweat and then, and then Chase Young went down. They're allowing 18.3 points since week 10, right? So pretty tidy. And that's been talked up a lot, but then again, our friend—he's getting all kinds of plugs on this show. Greg Rosenthal pointed out in one of his columns this week, just drilled down into who that was against. It was Cam Newton in his first start against Carolina, banged up. What the hell's going on, Russell Wilson? I think the Bucks were in that mix as well, so you could. Yeah,
1: I mean, asset. that course, was against them. I was against the Bucks, and I also think that taking away their performance against Russell Wilson is probably undermining it a little bit because that was Russell Wilson with a with a vengeance and he still threw sort of 230 240 yards yeah um but i guess the defensive front had a big game in that they got to the quarterback a lot
0: yeah uh so washington d this happens sometimes when you think well that's it same with offenses right when a a major part goes down you think well that's them done Uh, and then actually they start to they start to outperform and it's um Interesting how this Washington D collectively has, has shaped up since we thought, well, that's the end of their season. However, they're not great against pass-heavy attacks, which is exactly what no. this, this Vegas side is. Uh, and they're also pretty bad on third down and holding on third down. But, terrible on third down. Mind you, Vegas aren't great either. So that they're <laughs> rubbish. The, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're close. rubbish. It,
1: this is the, our third downs are going to be
0: horrendous to watch, I think. We're going to have to sort of shut our eyes for the third downs in this game. Do we think... Let me ask you this, do you think that Washington or Vegas has a better chance of making the playoffs?
1: Oh, that is a great question. I think the only reason why you'd have to say that Washington do Mm. is because of the schedule and the competition around them. It's just purely based on the the conference and the division they're in. Because they're playing maybe the
0: East, aren't they, for the rest of the run-in? Exactly.
1: Yeah, they're pretty much playing the the East for the rest of the run-in. And I would back them to kind of gain more wins that they'll need to to get into the NFC wildcard spot, which is undoubtedly going to be less wins than Mm. what you need to to get an AFC wildcard spot, especially with two teams that we're talking about um, in the Mm. Cincinnati Bengals and LA Chargers soon. I think it's just going to be much more difficult for this Raiders team to get in there, especially when they're going up against Chargers, Broncos, Chiefs, compared to going up against the Giants it's just going to be much easier for this Washington football team. I also really do like what this Washington football, like I think this Washington football team for me, I had to really force myself and thankfully I did. I had to really force myself from backing the Seahawks on Monday night, because you know, the way I like to approach things now is buy low, sell high. And I I thought off the back of two big wins for Washington against Panthers and the Bucks and off the back of, Two, I mean, just numerous losses for the Seahawks, looking horrendous for the previous weeks. I thought it was the perfect time for Seahawks to get back in it. But then, at what point do you start having to wonder whether this Washington football team, off the back of that bye week before the Bucks game, mm. is starting to build an identity yeah. that is allowing them to win? And the key thing, the key proponent of that, in my opinion, and this is giving credit to, we're not giving credit to Greg Rosenthal on the show, we're giving credit to Iron Mike Coulson and the point that he's been making for weeks, which is teams are winning based on basically controlling the clock and time Mm -hmm. of possession. Right. The Washington football team ranked fifth for the season in time of possession in each game. Mm -hmm. In the last three games against the Bucks, Seahawks and Panthers, they ranked number one in the NFL in time possession and the reason why i noticed that was did you not feel sometimes when you're watching whether you're watching the washington highlights the 10 minute ones on youtube that you're suddenly like wait a minute they have highlights on
0: youtube (laughs) (laughs) that's a bit of an in joke ollie's been taking the absolute piss out of me in recent weeks for being becoming as technically uh unsavvy as i am mike (laughs) (laughs) I, i i'd be more surprised if you said what is
1: youtube <laughs> <laughs> what, is the, what is this you what is this you sorry can we just can we backtrack? You, you yeah <laughs> um but, and it, you're suddenly like Taylor Heineke's got the ball on their 25 yard line. He's moved the ball 25 yards, and suddenly there's seven minutes off the clock. You know, like it just suddenly, it just, that's what they seem to do, utilizing Antonio Gibson, who's been brilliant in recent weeks. And Taylor Heineke seems to be very good at extending the play. Yeah. I think that interception last week was harsh against him. It was a bit of a freak interception. I think he's actually done very well in kind of reining himself in mm. instead of being this, um, like kind of Brett favre S quarterback or the yes. kind of Brett Favre wannabe quarterback where he just gunslings for days. I think he's reined himself in. He makes the completions that he needs to complete, checks it down quite a lot. And that yep. means they have the capability to get a lot of short third down plays. They managed to build drives. That's what they did against the Bucks so well. And that's what I'm really been really impressed with with this team. And I just... That's why I find it hard to go against this Washington football team right now because Mm. that's what they that is their identity, and it seems to be one which could work quite well against the Raiders, who, being that pass heavy attack, they rank 22nd in the NFL for time possession. So, Mm. I see this as being the key
0: battle in this game. I think it's a great point, or a number of great points that you make. I really, really like that thinking. I mean, Heineke. You know what I feel about Heineke. We've talked about what we think Washington should do with Heineke is, I, I think given the starting gig next year, I really do for the yeah, reasons I, kind of I just agree with you. mentioned earlier, right? Like what are you going to get? Uh, mm, well, where are they going to draft around 20, probably 17, 20, something like that, in that kind of area. Really? Is there a quarterback you're going to draft then? And you know, so I think go with Heineke rating 90 plus in three straight games. You're spot on, I think with his maturity and, development he is but still has that capability right we made this point about Tua that his composure his off the chart good completion percentage more of that a bit later is uh definitely testament to his development within the miami offense his development as a as a sophomore pro but he can still unleash the big the big arm, right, when he needs to. And I love that that mm-hmm. particular aspect of his game. It's not like he's a check-down passer because he can't throw the ball further than 20 yards. Some And some players are that kind of player, right? So I I really like Heineken. I love this offense. You mentioned McLaurin, Gibson. McKissick's in there as well. Yeah. You're spot on. They have a real identity. And this defense, that's the key here for me. Are we going to see the secondary... Getting torched by this Raiders offense because since Ruggs, DJX has come in and DJX had a big game against Dallas. But can he do that week after week? That yeah. was the question we posed when we were asking. Incidentally, just a side note on that, you know, we were asking about why didn't the Rams hang on to him? He asked for release, I found out, I read. He so, did, uh, but yeah. but
1: I was more convinced about the fact that they didn't even manage to persuade him to stay. Uh, okay, you know so, what I mean. Okay, you can go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. He, was he wasn't expecting them to do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I just thought yeah. that was
1: an interesting, especially <laughs> with what we've seen in recent weeks. Like I just think that he's an option they don't necessarily have <laughs> <laughs> elsewhere. Another side so point, map, yeah. which yeah. I I want to get your opinion on: How much do you buy into um, the idea that coaches going up against their former teams are going to know like a lot about? the teams that they're kind of like their former teams that they're going up against? Because this is, I don't think many people are mentioned this. This is a former Raiders coach, Jack Del Rio. He's the defensive coordinator Great for the football team. So he knows one or two things about Derek Carr. Do you think that will have an impact mm. in this game?
0: Yeah, I think with a with a, a mind like Del Rio, yes, because he's been around the league for so long and he is a, you know, a wily vet. I mean, Del Rio, I, I, I've loved for a long time. Back in the day when he was the Carolina head coach, of course, he used to love that that leather jacket where Warwick almost like a trench coat leather jacket on the sidelines. And I, Mike and I back in the day in the, in the late night days used to suggest he was definitely in the top three head coaches, most likely to be in the Sopranos. And also um, I think it was at one point top three head coaches, most likely to own a strip club. Although, although obviously we couldn't talk about the latter on, on national television. <laughs> that might've been a more of an Americanage line. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's a great point. I do I definitely think, With that particular, you know, we joke about uh, retrospective historical records and how increasingly they get more and more absurd when they're stretching back years and years and years in the past and none of the protagonists involved in that game or very few are involved in this game. But this is slightly different, I think, when you're talking about a defensive coordinator with the sharps that, that an experience that Del Rio has up against a quarterback that he knows well, so knows what uh, how he could potentially out him and out-duel him in terms of looks. It depends a lot on on the quarterback, of course. And I think we saw this, for example, um, the Patriots-Rams Super Bowl was a great example of this, that Goff was just totally flummoxed by, by Belichick. Not that they had a connection of this way, but the way that he just completely confused him throughout the course of the game. I don't think that... Uh, that's going to apply here in terms of the levels of experience are very different on the quarterback side as well. But it's a good point and it certainly should be considered. So look, what's the line on this? Uh, And are you leaning one way or the other?
1: So the line has moved down overnight now. The line has moved down from Vegas being favoured by two and a half at home to Vegas being favoured by one and a half, which I think is interesting. I think that the bookies, the house is back in Washington because I see the majority of the money coming in on Vegas, but that line doesn't seem to be moving in any way towards the Raiders' side. So mm-hmm. it seems to me that the Washington football team are the sharp side. And I just think you have to, I just give me, I I think what I saw from Vegas, especially at home against the Bengals in the week before that against the New York Giants. And I think that it's, easier for me to say right now that that Cowboys game was a, not necessarily a flash in the pan, but I think that was more out of character than what we saw from the Raiders the two weeks prior. Mm. I think they really built up to that game against the Cowboys. I think that was almost their Super Bowl at this point, And I think this could be a letdown spot for them. Whereas I think the Washington football team have been able to establish this identity. If you're going to give me a team, I think it's a hard game to call. It'd be a good game to watch. I'm looking yeah. forward to it. The reason I, I would love the over in pretty much every situation. We talked about everything here in terms of defenses, the Washington offense, but at the same time, Washington have been going under, Frequently in the past recent weeks, because of the fact that they just take up so much time of the clock with their drives, So like they can put up seven points in one quarter, but they'll take up that whole quarter for the drive. Mm. So that's the reason why I can't stay. I can't go heavy on the over. So I think you're going to have to give me Washington here with the points plus one and a half.
0: Yeah. Okay. I God, I'm torn on this one. I mean, I'm, I, I'm torn because it, it is tough. Yeah. You could
1: see, you could see very different um, sort of like. I think identities of each team, if that yeah. makes sense. It does. Yeah, it does.
0: they're exactly like you know. Will Djax go off again against his old team? Of course. We haven't made that point. That uh, although Djax has had about eleven teams. So, yeah, I was about <laughs> to
1: say he does that every no, week. No, no but yeah,
0: you know he had a he had a good run in Washington back in the back in the day. Waller, uh, his injury it's huge. is huge. Is is key, right? He missed practice again yesterday. I think so keep an eye on him and I I think that that I think he's going to be it
1: looks like he's trending towards being out and I think that is Mm. massive that means Foster Moreau is going to have a big big role in this game because one aspect of the defense which is particularly bad for Washington is their linebackers so Waller would have absolutely feasted so they need Moreau to step up
0: yeah, tomorrow, uh, of course, in Propos' top 10 uh, power rankings of favoritely named NFL players. Um, tight ends, specifically oh, Just tight, tight, ends. tight ends, It's just tight ends, yeah. <laughs> just, he must be top five then. Uh even, no, I could do 10. <laughs> you could do 10. I bet you could. I want to hear that. <laughs> That's an off-season show. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, my heart goes with Vegas because they are a team that, I, know, it was I, I, I love and I, I, I'm i a big Derek Carf fan and have been for much of his career for for many, many reasons. And I love the fact he's having this kind of season and the adversity they've dealt with. He's a class act. And I think he's a much better player than many people give him credit for. But the logic, my head is going Washington here. My heart is saying Vegas head Washington. It's a dangerous spot. I think, I think if Waller's out, I will definitely take Washington. Mm-hmm. I think if Waller's in, then for me, it's a coin flip. So for me, it yeah. will be a game where I might just go on instinct and have a bit of fun and, and be very careful about uh, the level of fun I have on that. Yes. But it will be a really fascinating Agreed. game to watch and looking Agreed. forward to it. All right. Next up, Bengals Chargers. Oh. Joe Burrow versus Justin Herbert, because we love a quarterback battle. You're an obvious Bengalista mm-hmm. and are going to answer this question, Joe Burrow. So I was, Thinking well, I was going to ask you this. I thought, well, obviously, Ollie's going to answer Joe Burrow. So, I asked myself the question: If I started <laughs> I have a question an NFL Good dream podcast isn't tomorrow, just <laughs> that is Mike dream podcast, <laughs> <laughs> It's the Mike Carlson show with Mike Carlson. <laughs> the um, if I started a uh, a franchise tomorrow, would I take Burrow or Herbert? I mean, I'm actually, let me ask you, I mean, you're going to take Burrow because you're taking... Yeah, I have, have to take... Taking- it's, it's
1: it's really interesting, isn't it? I mean, it's a great question. I remember Will Gavin of Talk Sport, uh coming up to me. It was after one of the London games when we were still in the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And I remember it was pretty bad. So it was week five. And I remember him coming up to me and being like, I know Joe Burrow's great and all that, but you must be really really annoyed you didn't say Justin Herbert number 1. And I just I, I yeah. And it's like it's obviously like and I understand the argument because I think that Justin What Justin Herbert is undoubtedly I think is probably the better thrower of the ball. I think he's the I think he's the just the better kind of
0: talent in terms of he's got more talent than Joe Burrow does. It falls into really really improbably tight spots and those yeah. kind of crazy highlight plays. how the magic, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah, He has got the magic, but as I've said many a time on the show and I've said on the radio show on a Sunday, Joe Burrow is the guy. Like, he is just the guy. He is the guy who will run that franchise and he will dominate it. He has the respect of every single person in that locker room. They will all follow him. They will all follow his lead. And that is an incredible thing to say two years into right. his Career, especially with a team that is actually got a lot of new pieces on it this season. Right. A lot of new pieces. And I think when you see, like, I can't, there's few fewer things that I think I've loved in sport than watching Joe Burrow getting absolute, like getting tangled thrown about by TJ Watt. And all he was doing was just watching the play ahead. Do you know what I mean? Like he's obviously getting effectively intimidated and thrown about by one of the most feared players in this league, in TJ War, and he couldn't care less. He honestly couldn't care less, and he was happy to do it, and he gets straight back up and he doesn't look in any way rattled, and he goes on to basically carry the team. Why well, didn't he actually manage the team to a performance?
0: And That's a great always... point. If you want to put that in, in context, listeners, if you remember earlier on in the season when poor Chris Boswell got, got the kicker <laughs> yeah. got, got taken out, and that's what we would all look and feel like and react <laughs> when something like that is happening. So this, that's what us mere mortals in a situation like that. And you're right; he's just Matrix star dealing with. I've seen the Matrix. Oh, it's a film that was. Yeah, made of course you i I love the
1: Matrix. I love the Matrix.
0: This yeah, it's, uh, it's a great point that Burrow is just unfazable. and that's something yeah. that I particularly like in what well, in any quarterback, but young quarterbacks. Mahomes was pretty much from day one. And maybe that's because he benefited from resting his heels and cooling his jets a little bit and learning from Alex Smith and all of that narrative. But nevertheless, Mahomes when he came in the first couple of weeks as a starter, slinging it around and just looked like he was, had been here forever, Ooh. you know, and Burrow definitely has that vibe for sure. I'm not saying Herbert doesn't incidentally, but no. Burrow has it uh, in a, in a, a very apparent way. And I, I, Abs- I mean, my answer is Burrow on this, and this is uh, not a slight on her, but I, I was down. Yeah, I thought you'd like that. I was down on Herbert before or when he was drafted, but that is always asterisks with, as I always say, how much do you really know about the college game unless you're yeah. following, following? it Ben Isaac style. So it was, uh, it was there was the caveat that looking at the the games I'd watch live, the highlight reels, we did that draft live, of course. So you know the prep you do for, for that phase of the season or the off season and, and everything else sure but that there's only a limit until you start seeing him playing and, and it was very clear i was way off. i thought he was the based on what i'd looked at was had the danger of being that christian ponder type player that just kind of jobs around for a bit and then then bounces out mm. of course i was horribly wrong on that and but at the same time i think everybody was getting a little bit carried away at the start of this season with Uh, Herbert's amazing he's the real deal he's by far the best player in that because he was playing particularly well and I know that there are other reasons why the the Chargers have gone on this what they've lost five and six or something crazy anyway they they, they failed to cover five or six but they are um, they're in a real they haven't covered since October 10th October
1: 10th yeah they pushed once but they haven't covered since October 10th
0: his defence is terrible particularly the They're allowing 30 whatever points to get 31 points a game so like, I get he's not getting a huge amount of help. Uh, and that is reason why we're seeing this Jekyll and Hyde style performance. But yeah, a close call. But I would take, I would take Burrow. I just love the way, I love the moxie. I love the way he has it out. And maybe I'm having my head turned by this brilliantly Effervescent Bengals offense, which I ch- I think the Bengals are becoming my my. Am I allowed a second team all? <laughs>
1: The Bengals are. I mean, pretty. yeah. If it's the Bengals, you're, you're definitely allowed a second.
0: Joint team. second, the Bengals and the Raiders. I just lo- I just look. I love airing it out. Just a 74 yard smash just to square things up. That kind of stuff and uh, the receiving core underpinned by Mixon, Burrows, balling. Defense is underrated. Love it. Love the Bengals right now. So- it's
1: hard. It's really hard not to love the Bengals. And I've obviously been someone. It's it's always hard as a Bengals fan to really buy into what you're seeing because you're so used yeah. to creating um, failure that we have seen for the past two seasons. But yeah. at the same time, and I've said it on this show, and I think I have to take something back here, which is you've got to give a lot of credit to Zach Taylor as well, which I have been very much critical of Zach Taylor from what we've seen in previous seasons from yeah, I have, yeah, play calling. I, I, I have to take that, but the one thing I've always said about him, which has been no more apparent this season, is that what he's clearly really, really good at is creating, uh, like creating a very significant and high team morale yeah. and bringing this team together and having everyone on the same page. And that is what you can see with this team. And that was depicted beautifully... By what we've seen from Jamar Chase in the past couple of weeks. We haven't seen explosive fireworks from Jamar Chase. We haven't seen large amounts of receiving yards. He's actually had two quiet weeks. But what we have seen is some incredible blocking mm-hmm. to open up spaces for Joe Mixon and Jamar yeah. Chase following plays all the way down to the goal line to commit to blocks to give space to his other teammates. Jamar Chase was inevitably going to to get double teamed and teams were going to try and work this guy out because of how explosive he was early doors. And all that has allowed is someone like T Higgins to go for over a hundred yards and a touchdown last week, because all the attention is now on Jamar chase or Joe Mixon, because teams are having to put more teams in the back, uh, more players in the backfield to account for Jamar chase and what right. he can do, especially with his connection for Joe Burrow. And, that is where I think this team looks so promising going forward is it feels like everyone is on the same page and everyone is happy for everyone else to feast. Mm. It's not about that star power. It's not about everyone. Like I'm going to get my, my fix. It's about the team is going to win. And that is the most important thing.
0: You know, I know you probably don't remember much of the early, uh, well, the, Carson Palmer era really and mm. because you know you, you you became a Bengals fan probably at the tail end of that or Carson Palmer was yeah already it, was, it. it was it was basically at the tail end of that yeah so the early era Palmer and then the mid-era Palmer the Bengals are perennial playoff contenders despite the dysfunction around the franchise and you know Marv Lewis was a brilliant head coach given you know, I think one of the more underrated head coaches mm. of, of, of the last 20-30 years given the budgets he had to deal with the dysfunction off the field and there no are parallels. Facility, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't worry about trading. Uh, the The parallels are, are there definitely because you had Ocho Cinco, of course, Chad Johnson, TJ mm. Palmer. I think and Burrow, there are a number of. They're not the same quarterback, but there are a lot of parallels really in terms of yeah. how they play, and even just in terms of their status. You know, Palmer was. Uh, going deep diving way back to the that vintage 80s and 90s era where you had montana and jim kelly and marino you had a, a quarterback for the jets called ken o'brien and he went in the same draft the first round draft and o'brien was a baller you know and the jets were a, a good side then but he was a little bit unlucky because of the shadow that was cast from the you know, three of the all-time great players around him right and palmer not dissimilar situation you had brady and manning and you know, even Rivers, you know, coming up and Roethlisberger and players like that, that that uh, Rogers coming through, that were winning Super Bowls as well. Which I think Palmer's re- reputation and credibility suffered a little bit, but he was a great player. I mean, I would say almost always a top five quarterback when he was when he was fit. He hurt his knee really badly and he never really recovered there. But <clears throat> the the parallels for me are, are 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 clear, and that style of offense was electric to watch as well. And I think that there is a definite, if not conscious, but certainly coincidental recreation of that, a recreation of that, and a joy to watch the Bengals right now. Where are you going on this, though, Walt? So give us the line. And the Bengals are favourites, presumably.
1: The the Bengals are favourites by only three points. The over-under is at 50 and a half. Mm. So the really interesting thing about this is that because of these two quarterbacks and because of these the playmakers on both offenses everyone is the all of the public money is on the over mm. so 59% of the public money is on the over guess where all the sharps are at
0: Mm, I'm guessing they're on the
1: under
0: 98% of the Ooh. cash
1: My is God. on the under so I think if you want to go with the sharp money here you have to go the under and you can mm. understand why the Bengals are obviously going to commit to the run if they can do against this Chargers team that simply can't stop that phase of play and also the Chargers have gone 1-5 and five in mm. their last six games towards the under they don't actually tend to be an explosive offence as much of an explosive offence as everyone thinks they are yeah. so that's where the sharp money's going because they obviously think that the quarter backs are going to explode off. The only reason why I'm scared to take the under is because I think what the Chargers are going to do is try and take away Mixon because he's obviously had two Mm. huge weeks back to back and I actually think that's going to give opportunity to Joe Burrow to to air the ball out. I think you'll see that kind of flip when Mm. everyone's saying "Oh, the Bengals are just going to be able to run all over the Chargers don't you think the Chargers coaching staff are also going to be thinking well we need to take away that. It's likely yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So Bengals three and a half.
1: Bengals is three, three and a half in certain places. Oh, I mean I, I... I, I think the Bengals are the best. I think the Bengals are definitely the better team. Since the bye week, they really impressed me, especially defensively. Mm. They, they've stirred up chaos recently. They have five sacks, eleven QB hits, three interceptions, and two fumble recoveries. Trey Hendrickson, what a signing he was in free agency! A sack in nine of the eleven games this season. But the only problem you have with this now, and this is where the head comes on for it, a heart says Bengals every day of the week. It says Bengals by 10 points. I think they are the better team. And I think that they have a much better chance of doing well and getting to the playoffs and doing well in the playoffs. But it just feels like a classic letdown spot, doesn't it? Off the back of a massive divisional week last week. I think this game might be quite close. I think it might be quite cagey. I agree with you,
0: but three at home, is basically saying we play this on a neutral field.
1: Yeah, but charges is every they're charges on the neutral field every week because they don't have yeah. a home stadium.
0: That's true, but this is in Cincy, right?
1: No, but I'm saying that. But it's like they—it doesn't matter which you, the charge don't get affected either way. I oh,
0: I know. see. Okay, right. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't really matter yeah, wherever they're playing; it's the same thing. But yeah. but it's but it's more, I guess, what the line the line makers are suggesting here. And I don't think for the reasons you know you said in particular with regards to form, I don't think. It is an even matchup. I, this is one of my—I fa- mm, was about to say favorite—certainly stronger leanings of the week is taking the Bengals three. If it stays at three, which I know is a dangerous line anyway, but at least you know the, there's the option for the push there. Three and a half—it gets a little bit messy for me. But three, and I'm, I'm looking around at the moment as we were talking, and quite a few, quite a few books have it at three. I would, I would, I would look at the Bengals. I think I'm going to take the Bengals at three. If it doesn't go up, I think I'll take that.
1: Uh, if you take the Bengals, I'll take the Bengals. You're all hot right. right now. I'm riding. I'm riding
0: the Nat Coombs train. Let's do it. Let's yeah. ride that into signal failure. <laughs> <laughs> Just outside of Ohio. Uh, all right, we have got uh, to rattle through. So I uh, tell you what, we. Uh, I've got Audrey Locks of the week. We've got uh, Acre of the week as well, the Propo, Prop Bets. There's one more game you wanted to talk about in particular, all that I have done next to no prep on.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's so- an interesting one. I think uh, basically what I wanted to concede here, now, with we we're going to talk about the Arizona going against the Chicago Bears Right. in Chicago. Um, Arizona currently laying seven and a half points, the over under don't know what happened overnight, but it's gone from 45 and a half to 43 and a half. And do you know what I love about um, gambling that or gamblers is that before I was looking at this and when I was at 45 and a half, 44 and a half, all of the cash was on the under one point or two points. And suddenly 98% of the cash is on the over. Do you know what I mean? They're like, Oh, now all the values there. That one point has changed everything. <laughs> <laughs> it has dramatically. The world is different. I see it now. It's definitely going to go over. But that made me laugh this morning when I saw that. Love that. I, I think it's obviously this game is completely dependent on who plays. Are we going to see Carla Murray and are we going to see DeAndre Hopkins? Right now, it's trending towards that direction. Which I think, if you do, you'll see a lot of the public money coming in on Arizona. Mm. And I think that uh, depending where Dalton feels I don't think you see that much of a difference. I have a question for you Nat, which I think will define this game in terms of whether we see, if we see Murray and Hopkins, we've seen this season in particular with what we've seen from Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers coming back after um, his COVID layoff. Do you think there's rust? Do you think there's like rust on quarterbacks after injuries? Do you think it's a smart play to fade
0: a quarterback Mm. coming back off an injury? Oh, love that question. Yes, probably. I'm yeah. sure some wiser men than us have done. Mind you, you love your stats, all, as we know. You're neck deep in stats and charts and graphs, but I'm sure that someone has probably done some analysis on. And look, it's difficult because you've got to adjust it to the opposition for starters and and everything else. But I I think that's an entirely logical spot to take. I guess it depends on the injury. Was it on a throwing hand? If it was... Uh, you know, a, a mobility injury for a dual threat quarterback, all of all of those things for sure. But yeah, interesting take at that. I think I, I would be reluctant to. You know, there are certain spots, right, that you think you know Belichick versus a year one to three quarterback. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, just uh, take it blindly. Yeah, Andy Reid off a bye week, and I think yeah, quarterback off a prolonged injury, so you know, two three weeks minimum. Yeah, maybe f- fading is, is the right is the right play.
1: I think it's interesting as well. And I think I have to, before I say what, where I'm going to go with this, I think it's, I have to admit, uh, I have to concede defeat on my criticism of Cliff Kingsbury and my criticism of the Arizona Cardinals because I have probably been one of their bigger doubters throughout yeah. the season. I still don't necessarily think that they will, in the same way that Shane Marine has said many a time on this show. I think Shane Barina hates him all. He hates yeah, him. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, he's not a fan. But I just think that I don't know how deep they can go just because of the lack of playoff experience they have in their team, especially without JJ Watt. But yeah, the one thing you have to give them credit for is they have handled this season better than any other team, for sure. The way they have handled Kyler Murray and John J. Hopkins' injury, the way they have Mm -hmm. still managed to win without them, the way Colt McCoy has managed to play against tough opposition. You can't really give anyone else credit apart from obviously Colt McCoy, but also this coaching staff. And I thought that this team was Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray at the beginning of the season. But no, all I've seen so far is that they can actually win without him. And what Vance Joseph has managed to do with his defence deserves bounds and bounds of credit because I thought coming into this season that they had one of the weaker secondaries. But Byron Murphy and Budda Baker have just been absolutely sensational, carried this team, five interceptions combined for both of them. Mm. Marcus Golden and Chandler Parsons both deserve to be in the conversation with Defensive Player of the Year. The Arizona Cardinals are brilliant, but the sharp money hilariously, I think, is probably they're going to take the, the Chicago Bears just because it's yeah. Chicago at home. Arizona yeah. Cardinals, you don't really know what you're going to get from Carlo Murray coming back off the injury. They're laying, you're getting more than a touchdown with the Bears at home. It's going to be horrendous What weather. is the line? it eight and a half? So it's seven and a half. Seven and a half. But the money's all been weather. coming in on Arizona at weather. certain points and all the tickets, but the, the line hasn't really moved in Arizona's way. I just think that you'll yeah. see a really ugly game of football that Chicago Bears might get back to a covering.
0: Yeah, it's raining on Sunday in Chicago. Uh, although nine nine degrees, so not freezing cold, but no. it looks like um, yeah, a lot of wet. It could be a wet old game. The I like the idea of seeing as you mentioned Colt McCoy. Maybe we should have an occasional feature on the show, which is a particular underdog pick that we like that week. So we don't have to do it every week, but we could sl- slot it in, which is our cult of the week. Because Colt McCoy, I mean, you know, underdog player, nobody expected anything, and fair play to him, he's he stepped up. So, uh, what do you think about that? The Colt. Yeah, the have,
1: I'm more than happy to have a Colt McCoy. We're Colt building McCoy. quite the backup quarterback feature list
0: here. Oh, yeah, exactly. Although when Drew Lock was the Drew Lock of the week, he wasn't a backup. He's since become <laughs> yeah, a backup. That's no, true. We jinxed him. All right, uh, let's get your prop uh, bets the week propo already. Kind of. Um...
1: Pick my hand at this one, Jamar Chase over over five and a half receptions. This is simply buying low now. The explosive rookie has been held to six catches and seventy-one yards receiving on nine targets over the last two weeks. But that's largely because the Bengals won their last two games by a combined fifty points, so they just went to the ground game. The Chargers, I think, as I've already said, are going to sell out on stopping the run. I think they're just going to load the box and try and stop the Bengals being able to control time possession. Stopping Mixon, which means Barrow will have loads of time to operate in the pocket. I expect Chase to see at least six receptions in what should be a brilliant game. My second one is again buying low in Russell Wilson, over 229 and a half yards. This is just too low for a quarterback of his. Going back to Wilson, the Wilson. I know, train. going back to Wilson. The guy is simply too good for him to consistently underperform. <laughs> DK Metcalf is <laughs> I've not.
0: I've heard that line for the last three weeks in a row.
1: <laughs> I know. DK Metcalf That's is brilliant. not going to be kept quiet, Nat. Two weeks in a row, I don't think, especially in a big divisional matchup against the San Francisco 49ers. Mm. I think Freddie Swain and Gerald Everett are actually better targets than everyone's giving them credit for, which means that they have actually a better passing offense than people are kind of noting right now. Everyone's just saying they're horrendous. And also they can't really get anything going on the ground. Alex Collins has failed to really execute. Rashad Penny apparently is injured 90% of his career. So it's all going to be on Russell Wilson's shoulders. And I'm happy to back Russell Wilson to go over 229 and a half yards. I don't know how much output he'll actually get, but I think he's going to have to throw the ball a lot. And I think we'll see enough completions for him to go over this number. This is quite a funny one now. This is my my favorite one. I just wanted to get these quotes in basically. Rob Gronkowski to score a touchdown. Mm -hmm. Rob Gronkowski has now played two games since returning to uh, action or following the injury. He's seen 18 targets and reeled in 13 for 194 yards. But the most important thing is I need to get these quotes in. Two interviews Gronk's done this week. Yeah. One of them, he said, and with Business Insider, that he is playing so well because Brady told him to cut out processed sugar. (laughs) So uh, (laughs) my first question is, uh, why have you never told me to cut out processed sugar?
0: Very fair question.
1: Yeah, like why? I I feel like you're the Brady, I'm the Gronk in this situation. and. the fact that you haven't told me, called me up one day and be like, "Ollie, you would be performing so much better. Your Drew Locks would be, <laughs> you'd be thirteen and zero right now. If twelve and zero right now, if you cut out processed sugar, I would done it. I in wonder
0: a how that. I, I'm so apologise, Ollie. I feel like I've let you down. I wonder how that conversation went as well. Was it uh, Brady chilling out watching TV with Giselle and suddenly thought, "Oh shit." and reaches for his phone. Does he leak? Do you reckon he left Gronk like a WhatsApp voice note? Yeah. <laughs> like, Cut out processed sugar.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay.
0: Yeah. So what was the other quote? That was his first... Uh, and
1: then the other quote is that um, he then said in an interview with the NFL Network that Brady knows what Gronk is going to do before Gronk does.
0: Oh, so he referred to himself in the third person. He
1: referred to himself in the third person and especially the like the person. way he called him Gronk. So he basically says that Br- I kind of feel like that 10, 20 years down the line, we might actually find out that Rob Gronkowski is a robot built by Tom Brady. (laughs) (laughs) And I think he's actually controlling him in his mind.
0: I love it. Brady's got the money, the connections to do that. (laughs) I think that's entirely possible. There'll be this scandal where there are at least seven droids currently playing <laughs> currently. yeah well you know there's like
1: three other gronkowski brothers i think they were all the practice runs i think they're yeah, <laughs> they're, like, they're, they're
0: all the, the practice prototypes run. yeah what the prototypes don't. yeah exactly i think dan campbell might be a droid as well I Just yeah. want to throw that out there i think so i love that brilliant uh great props of the week as well good luck with those uh i uh well let's get to my drew lock of the week so i am going i'm going back home Propo, I'm going back home for my Drew Lock of the Week because what Colchester, <laughs> not Colchester, no, <laughs> slightly more glamorous surroundings. We're going, we're going to where we were with the show. God, what feels like a lifetime ago now. We're going to Miami. For the- oh, no,
1: you're going for the Miami to go Dolphins.
0: I love the Dolphins in this spot. Dolphins-Giants, incidentally, uh, is the line I'm talking about. We talk about the number, well, minus two and a half right now, so it's under that magic three. Tua, check this out. This, this stat all is courtesy of Pro Football Network. Tua has got a completion percentage, I think I mentioned earlier on, his sharpness in terms of completion percentage, of over 80% in his last two games. That is, he is rather only the fourth quarterback since 1950 to achieve those kind of numbers. And if we're talking about an offense fighting its identity, hello, the Miami Dolphins. Jalen Waddell, what a player he is becoming. Mm-hmm. The one to punch with Devontae Parker. You know how much I love Gasicki. The ground games, nah, it's okay, but Gaskin can turn it on. But it's the defensive balance that the Dolphins have found in recent weeks. What was driving Coach Flores mad when he came over here and we talked to him. That's what he was saying. It was the detail. It's not like these players are suddenly... Uh, fallen off the cliff they're just not executing properly and collectively too much lack of attention to detail was creating these minor errors that were building up into major major problems they were banged up as well they were banged up when they came over here they were don't forget the secondary in particular has not been altogether helpful for a lot of the season uh I think it's a reach that we got into this on one of the shows earlier this week that they're a playoff side but their run-in's quite kind to them and I think they're going to end the season strong. Daniel Jones doubtful for this game for the mm-hmm. Giants which means we might see Mike Glennon back in I don't know if that's actually an upgrade or not I'm not quite sure oh, yeah, at this I point. I I don't
1: see there's any difference there.
0: Uh, Kadarius Tony, I was looking at the injury report he didn't train yesterday that's looking I just am not buying the Giants in this spot at all I've taken the Dolphins minus four four Oh, that number, all that's a risky number, isn't it? We love, we love it when it's under three I have four, but I like the Dolphins all the way. They're my Drew Lock of the week.
1: Yeah, I completely understand that. It is supposedly a trap, but yeah. oh, who knows? Now I like that. You ride the public money sometimes, and it? it has paid off for you more often than not. So completely fair enough. Um, I'm going old school after my horrendous pick with the Rams last week. Yeah, I'm, I'm going old school. I'm going Go under. To, I'm going under. I'm yeah. going to the Vikings Lions under forty six and a half. Oh, nice. Detroit looks like they won't have DeAndre Swift. Mm. So talk to me now. Where and how are the Lions going to score?
0: Oh, God. Have they got Hawkinson? Uh, Maybe Jared Goff will run in for one. Run in for a quarterback sneak touchdown. Exactly. Well, I don't
1: think they're going to be able to get much going whatsoever on offense. And that means they're going to have to keep this game close with defense, 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 the Dan Campbell way. This number is actually inflated because the Vikings have played the Packers and the 49ers in recent weeks and had a billion points. Mm. The market has reacted accordingly to that, but failed to recognize they're going against the Detroit Lions. Mm. These two teams combined for 13 and nine towards the under. They are under teams, and this number is simply too high. I want to watch an ugly game of football. The only way this doesn't hit is if the Vikings mm. go over 46 points by themselves. By themselves,
0: yeah. Which, yeah. I mean, I think the Vikings actually covering is a really decent line. Love that for your lock of the week. It makes a huge amount of sense. Um, as you were talking about it, I'm becoming less and less confident about my, <laughs> no, I'm not, no, I'm not. I'm going to go three from three. Right. Speaking of which we're on a roll with the Acker uh, once again. So we've got to keep that momentum going. Here we go. Remember Propo has his veto. If he doesn't like one of the picks that I have selected, and this is money line straight up. So not the spread, just straight up winners. He can veto it and put in insight one of his own, and then you can ride the roll with a Propo uh akra the week or roll with mine and last week both of them came off although i think we they ended up agreeing that we were going to put the bucks in right so
1: yeah and it was yeah, it. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah and it worked but the bengals would have would have worked too <laughs> so okay vikings over lions seeing as he mentioned it uh no brainer surely
1: yeah i just think there's potentially favorite other favorites that i like more
0: okay all right well you get you will get your chance to veto <laughs> okay yeah. i like the eagles over the jets
1: yeah, I now, mean, uh, I, again, you're just what you're doing here is you're not looking at the team favoured, you're just looking at the team, the underdog, and thinking there's no way these guys can win for There's here. no way
0: these guys can win. Uh, and yeah. this is even if Jalen doesn't start, right? Because it's Minshew Mania time. If yeah, you know. exactly. We love mean, Minshew. Love that, and he will take care of business. And then the Bucks over the Falcons. It seems too good to be true, Propo, but that is just over even money for those three.
1: Really? So my my Acker was the Colts... Oh.
0: Why do you not like that? I'm just thinking about yeah, okay, straight up short. I just They're gonna run all over the Texans. Taylor's gonna go nuts. I just love that Tyrod factor. I don't know. I know,
1: I know we love the Tyrod factor, but I think I think I think that's a terrible matchup for the Texans. I think they beat I think you're you're allowing that Titans uh, team that couldn't get anything going on offense. I think you're allowing yeah. that Titans win to get too much of it. I would probably go Colts. I think I like the Ravens to beat the Steelers, mm. and then the Chiefs to beat the Broncos. All
0: right, well there we go. You got two completely. Co- Let's go head to head then on the Acura. The Fine, week. yeah.
1: So that's that. That's better odds than yours, though. So just See,
0: those. Out. I think that both that Steelers Ravens game. Okay, I'm, I'm probably with you on that, but there is an element of danger there for. Very small. that's the more that is the slightly more risky one, but uh um, Broncos Chiefs game, I think is risky as well. I do why I um oh, Andy read off a bye. Uh, well Andy read off a bye fair. We we did flag that earlier on, but oh I the didn't spread, know. for sure. The I way agree the with the season's you seasons going the way all the
1: three of those. Going. I agree with you. I'm not confident enough necessarily to take the spread, which is four and a half mm. for the Ravens nine and a half for the chiefs and nine and a half.
0: Okay. I mean the line, yeah. Taking the Broncos. I just,
1: yeah. But I think money line, I would say, I think I'm pretty comfortable with all, all three of those teams yeah. should win.
0: It's good. Okay. All right. Well, I might, I might, I might take yours as well then. And we'll have a little, have a little flutter on both and, and see where we landed. And indeed listeners, you could do that. You could pick one or t'other, and either way, whatever you do, do it cautiously and carefully have fun, but be careful with it when you're out there. Uh, and good luck this weekend. Propo, I'm looking forward to getting it on again next week when I'm going to be. Hopefully,
1: we're tied with me. If we, if I lose, and you right win. It. We're
0: tied. Oh my god, there is a lot at stake. I, I feel. I'm glad. I'm glad in a way that it's gone that way because, like a lot of the. The the real season, the actual season, it's going to go down to the wire for for playoff spots, and I hope that our Drew Lock of the week battle is in Vegas. It looks
1: like it will do, yeah. It
0: looked like a few weeks ago I was going to be done and dusted. So I'm glad I managed to scrap a lot way back in- show a lot of character, man. Thanks, but I appreciate that. Yeah. I appreciate that. Uh, you can check the vault uh, episodes with the great Greg Rosenthal, with Iron Mike Carlson with Ben Isaacs. How about that for a hat trick of all pro? Talent on the show getting you set for this weekend. Brilliant insight as usual from all three of them. We've got some great guests next week as well. Iron Mike's back, Ben with more college days, of course. Ollie Connolly's dropping by, uh, the X's and O's genius. Uh, looking forward to getting educated uh, from Mr. Connolly uh, with his tactical now and savvy uh, and lots more besides Edge Rush, of course, as well. We'll be back next week, same time, same place. Oh, look after yourself. Cheers, my man. We are live on TalkSport 2 Sunday. Meet our Azmir Begovic, special Stoke guest City for that legend.
1: One. Stoke, City Stoke City legend. Stoke
0: City legend. Uh, ben in the house for that one as well. So join us from five o'clock over on TalkSport 2 Live. Have us on, whether you're watching Red Zone, watching a game, doing five different things at the same time. Make sure you have us on for that as well. See you then. Bye for now. Podcast Network.